Hey, 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 what do you say, Met fans? Happy Monday. Hope you all had a good weekend. From a Met perspective, it wasn't bad at all. I would hope for a sweep, but we got to see one of the best games ever in Met history pitch Friday night. And yesterday, Taiwan Walker answered the bell with a very economical performance. Uh, the only downside was Stroh on Saturday, but he's allowed. He's allowed. We won two out of three. Now we got the Red Sox coming up Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, before we go into those games, let's go and recap yesterday. Taiwan Walker. Now, Taiwan had some help from the match yesterday. Defense rose to the occasion. And go show you when a defense plays well, a pitcher automatically becomes much, much better. And that is definitely the case with Taiwan Walker or Marcus Stroman. They need defense behind them. And the defense did come to rise to the occasion yesterday. Uh, but very, very, very happy to see Taiwan uh, pitch a good game. Got off to a little sluggish start. Uh, they were hitting the ball hard at first. Like I said, the plays were being made out in the field. And when that happens, a pitcher gets his confidence. And Taiwan Walker would arrest the bullpen behind him and off they coming. Realistically, only needed to pitch like five or so innings, but he delivered more than expected. And the Mets got a little bonus from him. It was definitely his most efficient start of the season. Like I said, he didn't have his best stuff. Best stuff, but the defense behind him was superb, and he did pitch seven shutout innings to lead the Metropolitans to a 4 nothing victory over the Nationals. Now, the one thing, I, when I was watching the game yesterday on TV, they put up a graphic that since 2015, the team with the best record in the National League East ended up winning the division. So don't take these division games lightly, folks. Uh, these are big wins for the Mets, and uh, winning two out of three against the Nationals sets up us nice against the Red Sox. Now we got the Phillies in Philly this weekend, so it's going to be a fun week. And it was also good to win the series against the Nationals, especially after that disastrous trip in Wrigley Field. And I had bad vibes going into that one, playing all night games in the end of April in Chicago when it's brutally cold, and uh, yeah. Most players aren't up to it and don't play to their standards. It's not making any excuses, but it is the reality. But a loss is a loss, whether it's played in 90 degrees or 40 degrees, and got to own up to it, and that's lost. But they did come back this weekend. Like I said, Walker was on fire yesterday. He allowed three hits over seven innings, 95 pitches. Not bad. That's what you want to see. A guy like Walker limiting his pitches. His control was a little bit off his last few starts, but he was back on the beam yesterday. He did walk three and hit a batter. But that's okay, and I think Walker would just have to deal with his walks. It just has to be a lower amount and not at the wrong times. Uh, he did lower his season ERA to 2.14, so that's a welcome sight. And the strong performance followed, like I said, that clunker by Walker against the Cubs where he only lasted three and two-third innings uh, last week. and that, He walked six guys, and that's just not good. Like Walker said yesterday, my goal was to go out there and pound the strike zone and make them put the ball in play. I had three walks there, but usually I make them put the ball in play, let my defense work, and that is what they did today. Yes, that was the perfect formula. One plus one equals two. And for the Mets, it's Walker pitching well, the defense playing well, that equals a Met win. And like Walker said, it was just one of those games where I had to grind and battle it out and go out there and try to find a way to get out. It felt good to go seven innings, it felt good to get a win, and it was a great series for us. Yes, it was. 
Uh, Willie Rojas had a little fun. He shuffled the lineup a little bit to get right-handed bats in the batting order against lefty Patrick Corbin. And that meant starts for Jonathan Villar and Albert Amora Jr. And uh, McNeil, Jeff McNeil, the squirrel, and Dominic Smith on the bench. So sometimes you just got to rest them. And I think Willie felt it was a good day for both of the other guys to start. And what a play. What a play by Almore. I don't know if you saw the game, but he made one of the greatest catches. Flying at full speed, leaping after playing shallow and grabbing that ball and saving the Mets when he snared Kyle Schwarber's drive to center. And that saved the Mets two runs and uh, didn't allow the Nationals to get back in the ball game. That was huge. And Francisco Lindor. He made a great play. He robbed Jan Gomes of a line drive single leading off the sixth. And how about that relay? If you saw it, it was textbook. Conforto to Villar to execute a perfect relay to Davis that nailed Victor Robles attempting to stretch a double into a triple and a third. And that was part of the big Met game defensively. So three big plays. And basically the defense won the game yesterday. If you want to put it in perspective, it did win the game. Now, Rojas said we've had some struggle in some games, but I think we bring confidence every day that we're going to be a good defensive team. And if you're going to have good pitching, you have to have good defense. Uh, we have the bats, and you know they're going to come around. I mean, not everyone's going to hit like J.D. Davis all year, like the way he's hitting so far, but we're going to have the bats to put up the runs. Not everyone's going to hit home runs like Pete Alonzo, but we're going to have guys who are going to hit home runs. And speaking of J.D. Davis, uh, he... Good move by Rojas. He did his research. He put Davis at cleanup because of the strong career numbers against Corbin. And uh, if you saw the game yesterday, you saw the three taters he hit against Corbin, two to left center and one to right center so far before coming into yesterday's game. And yesterday he blasted a two-run homer in the first inning to get the Mets started. It was Davis's fourth in 28 career bats against uh, Corbin. And then Pete Alonzo, uh, who was shifted to the number two hole, had walked before Davis, delivered with two outs. So the two power guys combined to put the first two runs on the board, and that's always good to see. Uh, Michael Conforto starting to hit the ball. I love when he starts going the other way like we had the last few games. And he just missed a two-run homer in the fourth going the opposite way. Uh, it was a double, and it was behind Davis' single and gave the Mets a rally. Uh, James McCann then found the hole between shortstop and third for an RBI single that extended the Mets' lead to 3-0. Uh, Corbin was done after the fifth inning after surrounding a lead, surrendering a home run to Alonzo in a single twin door. And Alonzo, what a blast he had. Oh, my goodness. He had in the black section near the home run apple, and that's the deepest part of the ballpark. It shows you how strong that guy is, and when he connects perfectly on a pitch, he can just hit it a country mile. Uh, later in the evening, later in the evening, now I sound like Paul Simon, late in the evening. But later in the inning, Schwarber's strong throw to plate nailed Lindor, attempting to score from third on Conforto's fly to left, squelching a big inning. Originally, they called him safe, and I thought he was, you know, with the naked eye watching him uh, replay. But he had one of those oven mitts on and never touched home plate, and they took that run away. Miguel Castro out two singles in the eighth, but he escaped by striking out Ryan Zimmerman and Josh Bell in succession. And I'm telling you, kids, I love this Miguel Castro. Uh, what a live arm, and he got himself out of his own jam. And then Edwin Diaz. The crowd goes crazy when they play his song now when he comes in, don't they? Uh, he pitched a perfect ninth in the first appearance since allowing a walk-off RBI single to Jason Hayward in the 10th inning. So now the Mets rest up. 
chilling out, probably going to listen to this podcast like all you guys do. And they'll be playing the Red Sox at City Field tomorrow. Uh, Pete said, I felt today we were a real tough team to play. When I say Pete, I mean Alonzo to play against today. We are hitting on all cylinders on defense, and we swung the bat well. Today was a great team win, and I look forward to the next set. And I couldn't agree more. Great win all around for the Mets. You feel confident coming out of that one. When you're fundamentally sound, things start falling into place, and that's what I like. And maybe we got something, maybe with uh, Pete going up to the two-hole and uh, Francisco batting third, but we'll see how he plays it. Uh, but it was nice seeing Dominic Smith get a day off. He carried us a little bit in the beginning of the year, but he's off to a 3-17 and 17 skid. Uh, he hasn't been hitting the off-speed pitch as well. So good to see him get a rest. And Jeff McNeil, we just got to get him straightened out. And I think he eventually he was born to hit. Like Bruce Springsteen was born to run. Jeff McNeil was born to hit. And J.D. Davis, uh, I think if he just plays adequate third base, I'll be happy because that man can just stroke the ball. I mean, work on your little game a little bit, J.D. at third. Third isn't as important as defensive position as it once was with all these balls uh, being pulled by right-handed hitters and half the batters striking out when they make out. So we can deal with uh, adequate third baseman. And uh, the outfield, it's always nice to see a guy like Albert Amora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that sexy catch? Well, that's what Pete Alonso called it, a sexy catch. <laughs> uh, he said, I got so fired up. I hope that's on ESPN. That was such a sexy catch. Uh, Pete makes you laugh, but he nailed it right there when he said that. And uh, like I said, everything worked yesterday. The hitting worked. The quality start we got. We shut down bullpen work. Defense, perfect. Two hours and 42 minutes of baseball. Pretty tidy, and uh, I'll take it any day. And it's good to see the gloves. I always love defense, and it's good to see the gloves. And like I said, it seems like when you make good plays in the field, it feeds off of uh, another good play, and things just start happening. Everyone's on their toes defensively, and you got to love it. So after yesterday's game, the Mets won their third series of the year. They improved to 2-1 and one in rubber games, and are now 6-2 and two at City Field. Got to love that home field city advantage. And the crowds, even though it's 20% capacity, it sounds like they're loud as anything. I look at the TV screen. I'm going to more, so I'll let you know how it, how it checks out. I guess I'm COVID clear and now I can utilize my seats, although I got relocated. Uh, my, they relocated me to the last row between home and third. But I'm not complaining. I'll be there. I'll be in the Bob Euchre seats, but those are my seats until we get capacity back and I'll move back down lower towards home plate. Uh, but not complaining. Uh, in the games at City, the Mets have a combined ERA of 1.83. And that's, love that home cooking. Starting pitchers are now, have a 2.70 ERA for the year. And the Met pitching only allowed uh, two extra base hits this series. And that's the fewest extra base hits allowed in a three-game series by New York since April 22nd, 24, 2016 in Atlanta. How about J.D. Davis? Can't say enough about him. Three for four, two RBIs, two runs yesterday. He put the Mets ahead with a two-run shot in the first inning. He's tapped four homers against Patrick Corbin. That's the most he has against any pitcher. He has reached baseless safely in he has reached base safely in every game he's played this year. He is hitting 423, 1126 with a 1.199 OPS since coming off the IL on April 17th. 
How about Taiwan Walker? He pitched his longest scoreless start since July 31st versus Oakland last year, which was also seven innings. And he's about four hits or fewer and two earned runs or fewer in all four of his starts this season. His bugaboo's been controlled, and we just got to harness that, folks. He's now 3-0 in his starts at home this season, so he's become acclimated to City Field. Yes, God's country, City Field. And over his last 10 starts, some not with the Mets, he has a 1.71 ERA, has not allowed more than two earned runs in any of those outings. So Taiwan's been a nice little pickup for us, without a doubt. Now the Mets shut out the Nationals for the second time this weekend yesterday. It was their third shutout win of the season, all at home. And it's the 29th time in franchise history the club has pitched at least two shutouts in a three-game series. Uh, the last time that happened was during a three-game set from August 24, 26, uh, 2018, versus the very same Nationals we played yesterday. And how about Pete Alonso, the polar bear? One for two, home run, RBI, two runs, and two walks. And he crushed the ball yesterday, like I said before. It was a monster shot to deep center. That was in the fifth inning. And uh, in his last nine games, the man has been on fuego. The polar bear is eating pitching alive. He's batting 323, 10 for 31 with four homers, six RBIs, six runs scored, and 1.126 OPS. Edwin Diaz, I love the guy. You guys got to have faith. Like George Munchkin said, you got to have faith. He now is uh, not allowed an earned run in his last six appearances, 6.1 innings. And uh, Miguel Castro, fan three in a scoreless eighth inning and has 12 strikeouts in his last six innings. Uh, for the Nationals, the sad part was they were shut out for the fifth time this season. When they don't have Juan Soto in that lineup, they do suffer. And Patrick Corbin has allowed six home runs in 16.1 innings this season. And uh, he allowed a season-high seven hits yesterday. And he hasn't pitched that well at City Field. He's now 2-5 and five at City Field. In his career with a 4.94 ERA. So coming up, we got Boston coming up. Yeah, we got Boston. They're, they're going to pack the con city field after they eat some clam chata. Yeah, we got Boston coming up. Uh, Tuesday night's going to be Garrett Richards, 0-2, 6.48, versus David Peterson, 1-2, 6.75. That game will be an SNY. And Wednesday, we got Nick Pavetta going for the Red Sox. That's an early start. I think it's a 6.40 start, I think. So it's the only one in the year that starts a little bit earlier on a weeknight. Nick Pavetta, 2-0 with a 3.480 RA versus God, a.k.a. Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom, 2-1 with a .31 ERA, takes the mound Wednesday, so that's must-see TV. And park your butt in front of the TV. If you're going to City Field, get there a little bit earlier. It's an earlier start on Wednesday. That wraps up uh, the Washington series. We'll go ahead for the Boston series, and we'll be right back as always. And we always start the second segment with the segment you guys really love, Met Trivia and Met Baseball Jeopardy. Catch you on the flip side. Hey, Met fans, welcome back. Now to the fun stuff, as we like to say it here on the podcast. We're going to go and delve into some Met Trivia and some Met Jeopardy. We're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to start off with the Met Jeopardy today first. Uh, the two clues I'm going to give you for the Mets' final Jeopardy are signed as a free agent by the Mets on December 9th, 2011. Second clue, his career Mets ERA is 108.00. 
Yes, I read that right. His career Mets ERA is 108.00. So once again, the two clues for Mets Final Jeopardy are signed as a free agent by the Mets December 9, 2011, and his career Mets ERA is 108.00. Now for today's Met trivia question. Six Mets have been chosen as Rookie of the Year. Can you name all six? I'm going to give you fellow Metropolitan fans some time to think about these. Uh, when you get a chance, write them down, lock in your answers. And as always, at the end of the podcast, I will give you the correct answers and we'll see how you did. Sound good? Sure does to me. And we'll be right back with the answers when uh, the broadcast ends. But now we're going to do some more fun stuff. As we always do, we're going to celebrate Met birthdays on this date. April 26th, five former Mets were born. Amos Otis, Mike Scott, Lou Thornton, Rick Trolechik, and Scott Strickland. Who remembers all five? Okay, there are some of you out there. Amos Otis, what a player he developed into. Unfortunately, it wasn't with the Mets. But he did uh, start his career with the Metropolitans. Uh, became one of the finest defensive center fielders. Great defensive center fielder and good offensive player. One of the best Kansas City Royals of all time. But with the Mets, he wore uniform number 28 and 25. Uh, he was actually drafted from the Boston Red Sox by the Mets on November 28, 1966. And then the Mets ended up trading him to Kansas City with Bob Johnson in what some say was the worst Met trade of all time when they got Joe Foy in return on December 3rd, 1969. Uh, Amos did play on the 69 Mets, if you recall. Uh, he got into 48 games, 93 at-bats, only batted uh, 151, unfortunately. Slugging average 204 and on-base percentage 202. So in reality, that kind of made him a little bit expendable by, you know, hindsight is 2020. You wish he had still been with him because he had a career where he played 14 seasons with the Kansas City Royals and did a very, very good job. Very great player. Uh, the Mets even experimented with him at third base for a couple games, but he was basically a center fielder with the Mets and played a little bit of right, a little bit of left, a little bit of everything. Uh, but Amos is one of those like, oh, why do we trade Amos Otis? Well, he was batting 150 the year we trade him, so. And here's another guy has celebrating a birthday. Why do we give it to him? Uh, Mike Scott. He ended up winning the Cy Young with the Houston Astros in 1986. With the Mets, he wore number 30. And he was he was a hard thrower with the Mets. He showed a lot of potential, but never really blossomed. Uh, from 79 to 82, he wore his years with the Mets. That's four years total. Uh, used primarily as a starting pitcher. Uh, 60 of the uh, 84 games he pitched in, he started. Uh, he had a record of 14 and 27 with the Mets. And a ERA with the Mets of 4.64. He led the Mets, unfortunately, in losses with 13 and 82. But in 81, he did lead the Mets starters in ERA with a 3.90 ERA. Uh, gave up a lot of hits in 82 when he lost 13. 185, which led the Mets. And he led the Mets and runs allowed in 82 with 100. Uh, based on his stuff, you could see why the Mets weren't that high. In 82, he pitched 147 innings and gave up 185 hits. And on top of that, walk 60 guys. So I can see why the Mets, uh, you know, said adios. And we got Danny Heap in return. Danny Heap was a good utility player, good pinch hitter. 
a good fourth outfielder. But Mike Scott Blossom, now did he scuff up the ball to save his career? That remains to be seen. But that's another one that escaped the Mets and blossomed after he left. And uh, Lou Thornton celebrates a birthday today. He wore number four and number one with the Mets. He played in 89 and 90. Didn't play much. 89, he got 13 games in, 13 at-bats. 90, he played in three games, didn't even bat. Uh, he just came in for defense for a few games. Uh, probably a lot of you don't remember him. He was drafted by the Blue Jays in 84, and the Mets signed him as a free agent in 89. And then uh, the Mets granted him free agency in 1990. Uh, also celebrating a birthday today, Rick Trulisic, as I recall. That's how you said his name. Uh, not much of a career with the Mets. He wore number 34 and number 50, pitched in 96 and 97. Those two years combined, he pitched 14 games, 14 innings. Uh, didn't start any games. Basically a mop-up man with a 6.28 ERA. It's his birthday today. And uh, we got him from the Red Sox in exchange for Toby Borland in 1997 in the middle of the season. So, that's it. That's Rick. Uh, it was weird because we had him in 96, then he went to Boston, and then we got him back at the end of the year in 97. And there was no magic upon his return. Also celebrating a birthday today, Scott Strickland wore number 25 and number 28. Scotty got a lot of time with the Mets. He was a dependable reliever. Uh, I liked him. You know, not a fireman per se coming in the late innings, but he got the job done. He was a one-inning man with the Mets. And he pitched 87 games, 82, 87 innings, and 3.29 ERA. Didn't manage to save two games, but he, I liked Scott when he was with the Mets. He always brought him in, and he did the job, it seemed like. And we got him from the Expos uh, with Matt Watson and Philip Seibel uh, in exchange for Bruce Chen, Dickie Gonzalez, and Louis Figueroa. And then the Mets released him after the 2005 season after he kicked around in the minor leagues. So, and unfortunately uh, on this date, Danny Napoleon passed away. Danny played with the Mets in 65 and 66. Uh, 65, he played 68 games, 97 at bats, better than 144. Not much of a Met career, actually. 130 at-bats, 162 uh, batting average with a 200 slugging average. Primarily an outfielder, played a little third base, and uh, he passed away this year, unfortunately. And now, uh, one of the most famous transactions in Met history occurred today. We got Harry Cheedy from the Cleveland Indians on 1962. Now, if you remember Harry Cheedy... He was the man who was traded by the Mets to Cleveland for a player to be named later. And that player to be named later was Harry Cheedy. Go figure. Only in baseball, folks. Only in baseball. Then in 1962, the Mets traded Bobby Jean Smith to the Chicago Cubs for Sammy Taylor. 1967, the Mets purchased Jack Lamaby from the White Sox. On April 26, 1967. And then the infamous trade. The Mets traded Rick Albrecht to the Rangers for Lenny Randall. Who got into a little fisticuff match with uh, Frank Casey, And we got him on April 26, 1977. Always love, love Lenny. Lenny. Always a smile on his face. Always hustling. Played on some bad teams, but he was fun to watch. And then on this day in 2005, the Mets released Mike Matthews. And then on 2006, they signed free agent Michael Tucker.
So there you have it. And now, as we always do, when we come back, we're going to talk about a Met game that was played on this date in Met history. That's April 26, 1988. So fasten your seatbelts, and we're going to talk about that game and why it was so significant. Okay, Met fans, as we always do, we remember this date in Met history with a game that was played on that day. What are we going to do during the offseason, you're saying, when they don't play games in November? Well, we're going to go back and pick a game out from the past anyway. But just giving you a little sneak peek at what we do during the offseason here on the greatest Med podcast there is. Anyway, on this date, April 26, 1988, Davey Johnson, second place Mets, went to Atlanta, home of Chief Nakahoma. Uh... To face Chuck Tanner's last place Braves. The Braves were reeling. They were 3-14 and 14 coming into this game. And the Mets were looking good. Second place, 12-6. and six. Uh, Of course, this was back in the day when you only had two divisions. So, sometimes you could win a lot of games and not even get into the playoffs back then. But the Mets actually finished in first that year, as we all recall. Not the happy ending we wanted at the end of the year, but what are you going to do? We had a good year nonetheless. Now, the pitchers for this one were one Dwight Don Gooden against a young pitcher in his second season named Tom Glavin. But it wasn't about the pitchers this game. No siree, Bob. It was about Keith Hernandez, the Met first baseman, had one of his biggest nights ever. Hernandez hit two homers and drove in seven runs, including a milestone 1,000th RBI. Way to go, Keith. The Met lineup coming into this game had Mookie Wilson leading off playing center field, Tim Tuffle batting second, playing second base, Keith Hernandez batting third, playing first base, Val Strawberry batting fourth, batting uh, playing right field, Kevin McReynolds in left batting fifth, Gary Carter batting sixth, catching, Howard Johnson playing third, batting seventh, Kevin Elster batting eighth, uh, he was a shortstop, and Dwight Doc Gooden on the mound batting ninth. For the Braves, the lineup was Dion James in center field, Ron Gant batting second, uh, playing second, Dale Murphy, right fielder, batting third, Ken Griffey, yes, Ken Griffey Jr.'s papa, batting fourth in left field, Gerald Perry, remember Gerald Perry? I liked him. He was the first baseman batting fifth. Kenny Oberkfell playing third base, Bruce Eggs Benedict catching, batting seventh, Paul Rungi to shortstop batting eighth, and Tommy Glavin on the mound batting ninth. Now, in the first inning, Braves got on the board first. Dale Murphy, Mr. Brave himself, gave the Braves a 1-0 lead. But in the top of the seventh, Gary Carter homered for the Mets to tie the game. The third, Ken Griffey's two-run double put Atlanta ahead again, 3-1. So, Mets had a battle back in the fourth. McReynolds doubles and Carter walks. And with two outs, Kevin Elster doubled to make it 3-2. And in the home fourth, Gooden allowed a single to Ken Oberkfell, an RBI double to Paul Rungi, putting the Braves up 4-2. So Doc was getting roughed up a little bit. But then Keith, who had started the game by going 0-2, started warming up. In the fifth inning, he came to bat with Mookie Wilson aboard, and Keith ripped the two-run homer off Tom Glavin to tie the game up at 4. In the seventh, Elster single to Mookie Wilson brought him in with a double. He advanced on Tim Tuffle's single. Then Keith Hernandez then grounded on a force play, which scored Mookie Wilson. It was his third RBI of the night. In the eighth inning with the Mets ahead 6-4, McReynolds walked and caught a single. Howard Johnson, Elster also single. 
to bring home more Met runs. Uh, then remember Charlie Paleo? Yeah, we all remember Charlie. He was in, with the Mets when they during the leaner years. He came in to pitch for Atlanta and he walked Wilson and then walked Tuffle with the base slow to make it 9-4. Mex dug into the plate and facing Charlie Paleo, he ripped a liner to center that went over the fence for a grand, grand slam homer. The game was blown out and the Mets were uh, winning 13-4 at that point. The four runs from the Grand Slam gave Keith seven RBIs in a night, and he reached a, a big career milestone, surpassing 1,000 RBIs. The two homers on this night were his first two homers of the 1988 season. What a way to get the first two, eh? Dwight Gooden would get the win and go 5-0 on the young season as he pitched a complete game victory. So even though Doc didn't have his good stuff, he got the offense. Take note, Jacob Brom. It can happen. Tom Glavin did not get a decision, and the loss went to Jack Acker. Glavin got roughed up for four runs, five hits, and three walks in just two innings of work. He would go on to lead the NL with 17 losses in 1988, and the Braves used six pitchers that day. So that wraps it up for our day in Met history, our game we pick out from Met history. I mean, from the feedback I'm getting, you guys are loving it, and I appreciate it, and we'll be doing these every day. Now we're going to go back, as we always do, and give you the answers to our Mets Final Jeopardy and our Mets Trivia Question of the Day. Now, the two Jeopardy clues were signed as a free agent by the Mets December 9, 2011, and his career Mets ERA is 108.00. Who got this one? If you got this one, you are the ultimate Mets fan. The correct answer is, who is Garrett Olsen? Now, the Mets trivia question today was, the Mets have had six rookies of the year. Can you name them? I bet a lot of you did. So, let's see your answers. Yes, okay, good to see them all up. The six rookies of the year in Mets history are Tom Seaver, 1967, John Matlack, 1972, Daryl Strawberry, 1983, Dwight Gooden, 1984, uh, Jacob deGrom, 2014, and Pete Alonzo, 2019. Congratulations, you've got all six. That's quite a crew we had that have one rookie of the year. Nice bunch. And that wraps up our trivia question and Jeopardy question of the day. Stay tuned tomorrow for some more O's. But for now, we're going to wrap up the broadcast. As I always say, your response to this podcast has been amazing, and I truly appreciate it. If you're not a subscriber yet, please do subscribe. We're on all the platforms. Uh, You name your platform, we're probably on it. Uh, Always feel free to leave me a comment. If some of you haven't, I appreciate that. I I take it all into consideration, good or bad. You can reach me at philstan41 at gmail.com, philstan41 at gmail.com. And if you're not a member of our Facebook group, the New York Mets, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life, feel free to join. It's a lot of fun stuff I put up there too every day. And if you are a member of the Facebook group, you know what I'm talking about. So enjoy the day off. Watch some classic Met baseball tonight. I'm not sure what game they're showing on SNY, but 
they always do, and they'll probably have a few yearbooks up for you, etc. So you can still get your match fix. Uh, what I like to do is watch, what I do is I watch the Met, I'm a psycho, okay? I'm a certified psycho. I watch the Met game on TV with the SNY broadcasters, and then I go on MLB.TV, and I watch the same game with an overlay of the radio broadcast. I get a little bit of Howie and a little bit of Gary, and I watch the game twice. You would think I would know more about Bay Baseball doing all this, but I'm getting there. But anyway... Thanks. Have a great day. Let's look forward to the Boston Red Sox series. And I'm especially excited. It'll be my first game at City Field in almost two years. So stay well, my friends, and we'll catch up tomorrow.